With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alfred, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers, here to talk Seahawks football. Uh, we have gone through all the position groups on the offensive side of the ball prior to this show, and now we're going to move over to the defensive side of the ball. And we're going to start up front with the nose tackle group for the Seahawks here. And if we have time, we might bleed into the defensive end group, but uh, we're going to try to focus here on the very interior of the defensive lineman uh, at the nose tackle spot. Welcome in, Keith. Yeah, the nose tackle spot. If there is a weakness um, on the Seahawks team, this is it. This is, a, in my opinion, the weakest position group on the entire roster. And um, you'll see as we go, get into this, there's a lot of guys um, for a spot that's essentially one spot on the field. Um, you know, two, maybe three on the roster. There's a, There's a bunch of guys that are competing for those spots. But there's not a single proven player amongst them. And that's a rough spot to be in if you're Seattle. So, yes. And Brian Monet is coming off an injury um, mm-hmm. where he had 80, you know, in his career, he's got 85 combined tackles with 75 coming in the last two seasons. There's where the experience lies in, in this group. Now, if you, when we talked about this right before we push record, uh, the team brought on Jerron Reed uh, this year. I expect him to play the three tech spot um, yep. on on the on the line, but there is opportunities there, depending on matchups, depending on passing downs and so forth, where he could slide inside. He has done that prior, 
and maybe that's a name that we should consider as well. Um, and then we drafted a young kid too. But let's talk about Brian Monet. So at the at the traditional nose tackle spot uh, that was occupied by Puna Ford and Al Woods last year. Uh, Al Woods is more of a traditional guy at over 330 pounds. Puna Ford's on the light side, more of a three-tech in this defense. Nonetheless, he was asked to, to play nose tackle quite a bit and actually does well at that. Um, but but not great because, let's be honest, our run defense last year was horrible, horrendous. They elected to move on from those guys They and push the reset button. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about Brian Monet because what are the expectations about Brian Monet this year, especially with the knee injury? It doesn't even seem like he's going to be in training camp. Yeah, I don't know. Um, he's a guy that, he, that he's coming back from the knee injury. He missed um, like all of last year. And he's still, it's, it's, it was a bad injury. He's still recovering. And when you're 300 and, and they list him at 345 pounds, I know when he first signed with Seattle, he was 365. Um, when you're that big and you have a knee injury, like that's, it, it, it's just really hard to get back because that's a lot of, of strain and a lot of stuff and you, you have to be able to trust it. Um, and it's also got to be strong enough. And so We'll see where he's at in his recovery. I'd like to think that he'll be ready for the start of the year, but you know, we until they get into training camp and we get some updates, we don't know. Um, he is a huge monster of a man, um, but he doesn't offer the quickness or anything to do any do much against the pass. He's just a huge space eater guy who looks like he's three hundred and sixty pounds. Well, let me ask you this: move. so. You know, something was wrong with Seattle's defense last year. I don't know if it was scheme, coaching, players. We were just weren't able to 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 stop teams from running on us, quite quite frankly, or you know, passing it. Or but, passing. But but mostly it was, you know, one of the pillars of Pete Carroll's defense is stopping the run, first and foremost, and force mm-hmm. teams to be one dimensional. We just weren't able to do that. Now it also affects the, the way that linebackers can play as well and come up and make plays. And quite a few of our linebacker tackles were past the line of scrimmage. Where do you put Brian Monet in that equation, Keith? We, we saw Puna Ford struggle at times, playing out of, slightly out of position for him. We saw uh, Al Woods maybe wear down a little bit, although Al Woods was, I think, the best interior uh, defensive line player we had last year, which was still middle of the pack as far as the NFL is concerned. Where do you put Brian Monet? Um, well, of the, of those three guys, Monet has always been the third he's, you know, was the, the weakest of, uh, of the three. Now, most of what we saw with that was in a four, three, right? Cause last year was the first year they really went to the three, four, um, and in a four, three, um, responsibilities are a little different. I mean, that's Puna Ford was great when they were in a four, three, when they went to the three, four, it was like he was playing out of position. Yeah. When he's attacking you, Puna Ford's great. Yeah. Um, and, and that really is probably why they, you know, let him move on to Buffalo. Um, in a, in a three, four, we haven't seen much of Brian Monet because he was hurt last year. And so we don't, I don't really know what he's got, what he's going to be able to do. Um, I like to think his body type and, and, uh, everything that he's a guy that should excel as a three, four nose tackle. Um, more so than in, in a four, three, but until we see it, I can't say that we, that, that he is, um, he's the guy. I mean, we just don't know at this point. 
Well, he he did have quite a few tackles um, this last season, I think 48 or whatever from that spot. <clears throat> so, and then uh, let's let's go on to uh, Cameron Young. So yeah. we drafted this kid, 6'3", 320 pounds, Mississippi State, fourth round. Uh, we had <laughs> talked about defensive tackle possibly being either the, the first or second um, position of need on this defense, and they waited until the fourth round to address it. Talk to me about the draft strategy of Seattle. <clears throat> then talk to me about the player and what they see in him. Well, I mean, when you look at, at draft strategy, they weren't gonna, they didn't want to reach for a guy, so they didn't like um, Carter because of you know, all of his off uh, off field issues. So they passed on him. Uh, when you look at uh, at twenty, uh, you know, um, Kalijah Kansi had gone off the board at nineteen. He would have been the perfect guy. To come in. now, he's not a nose tackle, but he's still a defensive tackle. Um, he's a three tech. He would have been the perfect guy there, but he went off the board at 19. And then you're looking at reaching. You know, do you go reach for uh, a Brian Breesy or a Mozzie Smith? And I think that they believed it was just too early for those guys, and it wasn't value. So they waited, and then you know, different things happened um, as they went down. And and um, you know, Keanu Benton was an option at one point, but they liked the other. Um, they liked other players more. And so they just kind of waited on it and they waited until the fourth round in order to go get a guy that they like. Um, Cameron Young uh, was 6'3", 304 coming into this. The team said, hey, put on some weight. You're going to be a nose tackle. Um, he's now 6'3", uh, 320. He'll probably be um, 325 at, when they enter camp. Um, maybe 330, but I just, I don't know. We'll see if he can put on more weight uh it's hard to keep it on at that um point when you're working out that hard but um you know, so what do you little... what do you think about him moving around a little bit or moving uh, away from a, a position that he's been used to and coming into a defense from scratch it seems to me based on the current roster construction that they're really depending on this kid to come in and kind of lock that spot down especially with question marks on Monet's knee yeah um honestly like you look at kind of the stuff that they asked him to do in college and, and there's a lot of overlap and so i'm not really concerned about that i think it's just a matter of um you can get away with being three or three or four nose tackle in college you can't in in the pros um you've got to be uh 320 you know in a three, three in a three four yeah in a three four because you've got to have you've got to be that guy that's uh you just you aren't moved um, it, you know, you can stand up to a double team and even if you, you're not going to get penetration against the double team, but you're also not going to get pushed backwards so that they, um, the combo block, the, the center of the guard, whichever one is going to release up to the, um, linebackers has to stay on you for another second, which keeps the linebackers free so they can come up and make a tackle. Um, and so they just need him to be bigger. Um, but he is a massive, uh, person. Um, he is just, um, and Pete long Carroll. Yeah. Pete Carroll and, um, you know, talked about him being, having the biggest back on the team. Right. Uh, and, uh, but it said the, he told Clint hurt that you, we finally got someone who, with as big a back as you did, you have. Yeah. Um, and because it's just, it's muscle and, and he's as big and he's a strong kid. And I honestly think that he's just your starting nose tackle going into the year, which as a rookie, that's 
you know, you're a little like, oh, that's a fourth round pick. We'll, you know, we'll see what happens there. But he's the best, he's the most talented potential option significantly more than anyone else. So um, he's the guy and they're putting a lot of pressure on him to come in, come in and win that job, do a good job there. Because if he comes in and fails, if he's just not up to the task yet, there's not much left on this roster unless Monet is healthy. I think one of the important things to recognize here is what Seattle recognizes with this kid, which is not necessarily privy to us in the draft process is the mental side of, of this pick, um, yes. the grit, the tenacity, the um, self-awareness, uh, the ability to mentally uh, take on double teams at the NFL level, all that kind of stuff. And he mm -hmm. is that he's ready yep. to go. Clint Hurt loves this kid already. Um, they loved him throughout the draft process and hope they, that they had an opportunity to draft him. They did. Um, you know, he's got the physical ability. I don't, I don't think that that's the question. The, the question of can he be successful in the NFL? And, and, it, and that part comes with his, with his grit and tenacity and fight and character and all that kind of stuff. And that's where he checks all the boxes. Yeah, and uh, I've got I've got pretty dang high hopes for this kid. And I think that um, overall, this is the guy that we need more than anyone um, to step up because, like on the offensive line, where we were expecting a couple of rookies to come in and, and make a major impact, there are veterans there. Um, if the rookies fail, you, there this this Seahawk defense is going to struggle if Cameron Young can't step in and perform yeah i think there's <clears throat> opportunities depending on pass heavy teams so this kid's probably you know more of a run stuffer mm -hmm. probably going to come off the field he's going to play a two down player at least initially yep. uh, depending on how he goes and the seahawks will then transition to somebody like jaron reed we've talked about that or dre jones who they brought in from denver uh in the offseason guys that are playing three tech would be able to slide inside they just go with three three tech guys on passing down um, Jaron Reed has enough experience and, and girth. He's 313 himself, uh, to be able to come in and kind of hold that thing down on passing down. Um, and, and then they've got a whole host of other guys as well. And in, in particular, Mike Morris is an interesting name to kind of keep, um, aware of in this process. I think he kind of comes on throughout the year and gets, earns more playing time. And he's a guy that might be able to uh, also take that third down, um, spot too because he defends the run really well so you know but if, if you've got a third down run play and and mike morris is in there no problem um, uh, so i don't know he's he defends the run really well as a five tech yeah but, as, but, but, as a but they're asking oh. him they're asking him to put on additional weight so he's another player that they've asked to put on a little bit of weight he came in at 290 um into camp uh mini camp and mm -hmm. i think that they want him he was up for 300 or whatever well, yeah, he was up from 273 in the draft yeah. process up to 390. Yes. They they want him to put Which on a little bit more. Which is where he played at, at Michigan. He played at around the 390 range. Yeah. He lost um, weight to go into the draft so he could become a little bit more um, test well, and he did. Yeah, that. he wanted to test well, and he wanted to show versatility that he can be a little bit lighter and be more of an upfield guy than just, you know, uh, an edge setter. And so he, he did that, showed that, and... The Seahawks go, yeah, that's great and all, but we want you back where you are. Um, and he goes, okay, and and did that. He is a guy that 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 will when they get into third and long, other teams are in third and long. There's gonna be a lot of guys 
that can come in and play right. nose tackle and take over for Young because you're right, Young's going to come off the field in those situations because he's not a an upfield you know penetrator get pressure on a quarterback guy. He's in eat space, make life a living hell for um, centers and and guards right. in the running and give, game and give Bobby Wagner a chance to make all the tackles. Yeah, yeah, and so he's a uh, and but you there. Where's the road? I mean, you last year you had Puna and you had Al Woods, and at the beginning of the season you had Brian Monet, um, all getting snaps at the nose tackle spot. You've got Cameron Young. Yeah. Where's your Where's your yeah. Al Woods? I don't think he's on the team yet, but that's just my opinion. Okay. Yeah. So let's. Okay. So Brian Monet, we don't know when he's going to get come back. He may be available for the first game, but he he was injured later in the year. So chances are he's probably going to be. Uh, it scratched the first eight games off the schedule, and Brian Money might be potentially back midseason. That's mm-hmm. that's me. Don't have any information on that for sure. Cameron Young, you mentioned that. We've also got some undrafted rookie free agents, and and a and a, a seasoned kind of a guy that's been around a roster or two um, in the NFL. In Forrest Merrill, he's age twenty six. Um, I think he's been on two practice squad, um, two practice squads in the last couple of years, but still yet to see the field. Uh, 6'1", 338 pounds, you know, squatty, bowling ball type guy. Um, <clears throat> he's going to be in the mix in training camp. Austin uh, Thayer-Louis is an undrafted guy at Oregon State this last year, 6'3", 292, uh, undersized, yet they want to have him play between the nose tackle and three tech. Um, so I would imagine he's going to be in an offseason program somewhere, whether it's with the Seahawks or not, to, to bulk up a little bit around that. Um, and we can talk they, about him, him a little bit more. They have four guys listed nose tackle. Yeah. Um, and one of them is Forrest Merrill, who you mentioned, who doesn't have the length. There's, you know, he's, yes, he's, he's a big. bowling ball. Um, six, one, three, 38. He's big, but he's not getting playing time because he doesn't have the length. And so he has a hard time, uh, keeping the guards and centers arms from getting in on his body. He just doesn't have that link to, to, to get in and, and push them away. So he's blockable is basically what it comes down to. Um, the other three guys that are listed at nose tackle are small. Um, you mentioned, um, they, wait, Feolio. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you know, he's two ninety two. Yeah. And I think what you've got is you've got these three guys that are in the mold of, hey, we want we need someone who can play that spot on third down, on third and long, in the two minute drill when the other team's throwing the ball on every, and they're they've got three guys that they're looking at. Um, two of them are undrafted rookies. Um, one of them's been around the league for a year, and they're giving going to give them a shot. Say, yeah, is. Are any of you ready to step in and and earn some spot, earn some snaps there? Like Jonah Jonah Tavai, you know, everyone uh, in Seahawks Twitter is is uh, in love with this guy. He's got great production at uh, with the Aztecs, San Diego State, six foot two ninety. Um, they like him though at that weight, you know, to between two ninety and three hundred. Mm-hmm. Very short stature kind of guy, bowling ball, six foot, um, not long, not super athletic, but um, he's very been very productive, very productive. Um, let me let me see. In uh, 2022, 
12 games, 665 snaps, 30 tackles, 20 assists, 33 stops. As a pass rusher, tallied 20, uh, 61 total pressures, 39 quarterback hurries, 12 quarterback hits, and 10 sacks. His 2021 production was very similar. Uh, 40 quarterback hurries, 11 hits, 10 sacks. So very productive at that level of college football. Um, and so they're kind of excited about this kid. He's a little bit raw, obviously, needs to learn, needs to bulk up a little bit. Um, but but he's, his first step quickness is what they really like. Yeah, they do. And and so um, he reminds me a little bit of uh, Quentin Jefferson as a rookie. Um, who, I thought you were going to say Punafor. No, he reminds me more of Quentin Jefferson as a rookie who was undersized for a nose tackle. And you're like, why are they playing him there? And that doesn't make a lot of sense. And, um, but they will, they wanted him as the, a pass rusher on the inside, a third, third down pass rusher, not, you know, get 12 snaps a game. And his only responsibility is to get up the field. And, um, I think that's a, it's a good role for him as he's starting. Um, now Puna Ford, might have been the same height at five, 10, 5'11, and Ford, I think, was six foot. But um, Puna was also 320. This guy's 280. So I don't think that, Puna um, was 320 when he came in. I think he was like closer to three. Now uh, he was, he was at least north of three, um, whereas Tavai's at 280. And, and so they, he's a, he's a, just a different kind of, different kind of kid. I, he's productive, uh, was really productive against lower quality you know, opponents. Um, we'll see what translates, Yeah. It, you know, if that translates at five ten, you know, sure. He's got natural leverage, but can he, um, you know, can he keep the guards and, and, and centers from, from blocking him? The, the same thing we were talking about with, with Merrill, right? He just doesn't have the length. Can he use that quickness to get in on the body of the, the guards, um, before they can extend and, uh, if he can, then he has a chance to be productive in the NFL. And if he just doesn't get, you know, that first step in, in either, either into the gap or at least in into the body of the um, the offensive lineman, he's going to really struggle. So we'll see. The last guy on the list was Latrell Bumpus, um, 6'2", 285. So you're definitely undrafted out of Tennessee. You're right in that. They, they have a certain type. They've got mm-hmm. our big Cameron Young and Brian Monet. Um, and then you've got all these undersized guys. So there's definitely a method to the madness. Um, but the question is, what are they going to do going into the season? And that's why I said, I don't know that there's necessarily that rotation guy that's on the roster yet, unless one of these young kids steps up. Um, but, but they don't have that like nose tackle guy, that that rotation guy, Brian Monet is probably not going to start the season. So you've got one guy that's playing nose tackle for the, it's not going to work so i think that they're mm-hmm. going to definitely bring somebody in we talked about the offensive line group uh in the last few shows we talked about phil haynes and possibly maybe you know if, if the rookies come in and, and outperform there might not be a roster spot for phil haynes at his cap number and i was saying well maybe they use that cap number a and b roster spot that normally would go to a guy like Phil Haynes and you get a defensive tackle on this roster because I still think that you mentioned the fact that this is the the the, the most worrisome position group and, and lack of depth on this roster. And I think that they still need to go out and find somebody. Yeah, I would agree with that. And 
Um, you mentioned hands. I think another spot would be um, corner, where they've they're now six deep at corner, um, and some of those one of those guys isn't going to make the roster, right? And um, you add you add the factor of like a guy like Love, who's a hybrid safety, can play like three or four different positions for you in this defense. Yeah, um, and so there there's a, there's a chance that one of those guys is expendable and, and tradable, and if you can, you know, um, go get a rotational nose tackle someone that can come in and and basically do what al woods has done the last couple of years um then you're setting yourself up you know, to be successful um we we kind of just like uh glossed over um bumpfus do you know he played tight end um in college no he was he was a defensive tackle slash nose tackle slash tight end um and was a two-way player and had wow. the athleticism and stuff to um yeah to to um to play tight end and blocking tight uh, end i would assume yes although he did have <laughs> couple, i think he had a couple of touchdowns um wow, that's funny. wow um in his career which you know when you get a guy like that you know, the reason why he's catching touchdowns is because no one is expecting him to go out into pattern and so no one's covering <laughs> him but at the same time like i will he ever play tight end for seattle probably not but it's a fun story <laughs> well let me ask you this so let's get let's get serious about this situation seattle was dismal last year defending the run and, yes, and overall weakness on the defensive line now it seems like they've addressed the the exterior portions of the defensive line and the edge positions but mm-hmm. yet did not really completely adequately address, at least till this very moment, almost June 1st of the seat of the off season at this position in a three, four defense, which means that the nose tackle is one of the most critical pinnacle points in a defense mm-hmm. um, where everything else kind of works off of that. Why do you think that that is? I think it's just, um, they were very limited in terms of cap space and stuff because they had to get Geno signed and that was going to be expensive, which it, I mean, it was, it was, it's still a team friendly deal. And I'm not trying to say that they overpaid him because I, if anything, he's underpaid, but, um, Trey Jones, amount, you know, is, is, is the other guy. Yeah. But based on, you know, the amount of cap space that they had and the number of needs that they had, right. Um, those two guys ate up a lot of the cap space and there wasn't a, a lot to go around. And then the draft just kind of fell in a way where they, they didn't go get um, an instant player. A guy like, um, you know, Mozzie Smith comes to mind as a guy that, you know, they think, they would, yeah, you know, a guy that you could just stick in there and know. Um, instead, they they waited a little bit and um, and got their guy, but he wasn't. I think the they, they still got their guy, but nonetheless, that's just not enough. No. Yeah. They still I mean, need why didn't they just go get Al Woods back? Just, you know, they, they you pay Al Woods the same amount that he, he got paid. Um, with Buffalo and you just go into the season knowing at least you're covered. Now um, you're going in with question marks still on a team where your roster is essentially put together before. Yeah. Camp. I'm ex- I was a little surprised that either him or Puna didn't get brought back. And I think it was just a matter of timing and money that, uh, they got offers for, from other teams. Um, and the Seahawks weren't ready. They didn't know what they had. They didn't know what their needs were. And they knew that they weren't ready to make that call. And now they're not there um, because they went, you know, but also in this defense, neither of those guys is like 
oh my god we can't we can't exist without them right they're, true. they're nice they're pieces but they were also the pieces that were there last year when the defense was terrible so um I, it, it's one of those things where the known because they're known it would make us feel more comfortable but remember they were there last year when the when that aspect of the defense the run defense specifically was bad and so you're bringing those guys back you're paying a certain amount of cap space for them to not improve and i don't think that's what the team wanted to do i think they wanted to get younger get cheaper get hungrier um and hopefully get better and they may or may not have done that in this year but i think the idea is you know this we you've said it before this is year two of a three-year rebuild the offense is set the defense has is a year is a year away but should be there next year um so they're just getting themselves set up and getting um having a you know your backup nose tackle might not be the the position that you're worried about in year two of a rebuild i'm going to disagree i agree with that and i've said those things yes i agree with that I'm going to disagree with you and push back just a little bit in that the offense is so good and the defense is taking care of almost every position group except for this. So if you're really only one player away to being a potentially top 10 defense, but I'm just saying potentially with the back ends really good. The edge rushers appear to be good. Bobby Wagner's back in the middle. We've got a great safety group uh, group. This is it. This is the spot that's the weakness. If you've only got, if you got Cameron Young, you feel good about him, but you're just one player away, you better go get that done and go into really the offseason. De- you think this defense is one player away? A good defensive tackle? A good nose tackle? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah, I do. And, and, and the reason I say that is look at the back end. I'll, I'll take our, deep, I'll, our secondary. Let's lump the defensive backs and, and corners, or, or, uh, corners and safeties together. That, that those groups are competing with anybody in the NFC. Uh, you take a look don't, at our linebackers. Don't, don't with, lump them. To, don't lump them together. Okay. And tell We've me got that the best this, safety group in the in the NF in in the NFC. I We've got potentially. That. I don't agree with now that at with, all. You've got love. Julian Love is the top ten uh, safety in this league, and and he came in on in free agency. You've got Diggs who led the NFL four safeties and interceptions the last three seasons. Yeah. You right? And, and both then of those are, both of those are free Mal safeties. Adams, who has no, not played Julian in, Love in is, three a, years. is a is a hybrid. Both of them are kind of hybrid, but Julian Love's a hybrid. Now, yes, we need a, a traditional strong safety. We've got potentially Jamal Adams coming back. I, who knows? If if Jamal Adams is healthy, that those that trio is legit, dude. And then you take a look at at Witherspoon top 5 pick with Tariq Woolen, come on. And then you've no, got I, I uh, a trio at, of uh, backups at corner, there at corner. At corner, they're they're in great shape. It, I don't agree with the safety call. Um, okay. I like Diggs. I think Love is... I think you're, um, you're, you're is, low on Love, dude. It, you go watch Love play, and he's going to fit this defense so well. It's going to be well, amazing. There, there's a reason why the market for him was limited. There's and, a reason the market's limited for all safeties, but yes. Um, true, but Seattle still <laughs> is paying $18 million for a guy, uh, a year for a guy that doesn't play and at safety. It's and that's, potentially that's possible. I don't know that his, all his injuries are related. We'll see what happens this year. I, I like Jamal Adams a little bit better than, than you do, but not, 
nearly as much as I, I, I should to be comfortable with that situation. Yeah. So I agree with so, you. There. And then that on, middle wait, linebacker wait, is yet. a problem. Yeah. Nope. Oh, come on. Jordan Brooks comes back along with um, at midseason, with, sure, with Bobby Wagner, dude. That that's legit. Not that's, until midseason, and then you know Bush is there, and you've got they really like Radigan and, and and a couple others. Okay, and then you take a look at the edge group that we have: three techs and five techs. Dude, that group is potentially could be very explosive for this team. I'm not going to name every player, but and we're going to get no, to that in the next show. But, but it's the defense is good. The defense is the defense has great players on the edges. The three, four outside linebackers, I like. The defensive ends, I like. The cornerbacks, I freaking love. Um, up the middle, the defense is weak. They're de- they're weak at nose tackle. They're weak at middle linebacker. And yes, I'm including Bobby Wagner in that thing because he's one player who has to now count for two because it's a three four and there needs to be two middle linebackers and the team has one on the roster um and the, i don't i'm not sold as sold on you on this these safeties so they're they're just not good up the middle they're not one player they're three four and they don't have the money for that right now. They have to wait. In, they, we need another offseason. We might be three or four depth-wise, but I think starters were going to be okay. Now, the the but the the weakness is definitely nose tackle. And you said it, even with Cameron Young, that's just not enough. Um, yeah, even need, if he turns out to be all-world, you still got to have a guy that comes in there in a rotation. Mm-hmm. They, they need they need another guy. I think they're, the team is hoping that um, Brian Monet comes back or that they can grab someone off the waiver wire that you know someone else's cap casualty um maybe I think al, the team maybe a coming. guy like al woods um who you know yeah he signed with another team but does he make it out of camp i think the team is secretly just counting on being athletic and fast and playing guys like jaron reed and dre jones in sliding inside more often than maybe that we should um in this defense and just calling it a hybrid defense with i wouldn't I you know, four or three looks with three, four personnel, quote unquote, is is kind of the way that they like to term it. And I, I, I do see that. Trey Jones in. If you take Why? a look at the roster composition and you take a look at the amount of safeties we have and the amount of outside linebackers we have and the and and the lack of having true nose tackles on this roster dictates that this, they're looking at this thing more as a speed um, roster with athleticism. Mm-hmm. And that's how they're, they're going to approach it. They're going to set up a, they're, they're going to expect the offense to put up points. And then when, for the defense, they're going to set up the three, four version of a NASCAR. Um, front. Cause they think teams are going to have to come back. Yeah. Have, yeah. And so you've got your, you know, the, the outside pass rushers, the guys there. And, you know, when your, your nose tackle is Jerron Reed, who's a, a guy that can get, you know, six to eight sacks a year um, going up the middle, you're going to be okay against the pass. Against the run, you're going to struggle. Yes. Um, and I think yes. that unless unless they and they added if, they if added Dre the Jones and Mike Morris on the ends, they they may feel like their defensive ends are really better against the runs this year as well. And so well, overall, they they're on a net positive. For it really comes down to um, can the offense always have this team in the lead so that the defense isn't 
um, stuck trying to stop the run. Because if the offense is a bizarre way of building a defensive roster, especially for Pete Carroll, because if the offense sputters for whatever the reason, and it will, and it will, there'll there'll always be games when it does that, right? One here, one there, it happens. Um, How is this defense stopping the run? If another team gets a lead on Seattle, Seattle's going to have a real hard time. Early games, just gonna be able to grind early game scoring for this team is going to be so important. Early, which early is, in games, which is different. Um, in when when Wilson was here, for the most part, this team did not do good. Um, early in games, he was a great fourth quarter player. Yeah, um, last year we did great, but last year without Wilson and with Chino, the offense was best in like early parts of the game. Yes. Um, when it was when it was operating on script, it was like a machine, um, and they were able to get out in front um, of a lot of teams. And I think if they can if they can do that again, where they're getting out in front early, then this defense, as it's constructed, might turn out to be okay because you're you're playing your pass rushers um, a lot. But if you get down, that this defense is not built to. Um, Unless Cameron Run just comes in with a Pro Bowl level season and he plays sixty percent of the snaps, sixty. Yeah. If he, That's if a he lot can to do ask that, for, for a rookie. I I know it is, but if he can do that, this team's in pretty good shape. And you get Brian Monet back mid season. Maybe they get another guy that's a roster casualty uh, before the season, and I think we'd be okay. But I'm lacking right now in, in June June first. It's lacking. Mm-hmm. I'd feel much more comfortable with this defense if we had one more guy. And that's I'm why I'm saying we're just one more guy away. I'm not necessarily saying we're going to, we're a Super Bowl defense um, with one more guy. We're not. I'm saying we're, we're, we got to go into the season, I think, with one more guy. I think they need two, a minimum, because they need, they need another middle linebacker. They need someone um, who can play that spot. Bobby's there, but do you have any faith in Bush? Well, the and, team you know, Brooks, seems to Brooks feel a, like Brooks is ahead of schedule, and and yeah. you can't depend on that. And 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 even if he was, and even if he was like ninety eight percent in June in uh, September, um, you can't depend on him to be full speed, full strength through the first eight weeks. He'd yeah. be going through the motions. Now you got Bobby Wagner next to you, but nonetheless, he's going to have yeah, his own responsibility. He is, and so I like, I love Brooks. I think he's a great. He's a um, an underrated player, but I don't, I don't expect to see him until mid season because of that injury. Um, so that puts Bush as the guy and I don't have any faith in Bush. Well, nobody does yet. You know, he, he underperformed, he, but there's but he's no a first round. He's a first round pick. He just didn't live up to those expectations where he was. He was well, a middling linebacker. He was a first round pick because of being super athletic. He blew out a knee and came back without a bunch of that athleticism. True. And now and he's he two years removed from that, and we'll see if he's rebounded. Yeah, and if he has, well, I think he's going to be good, especially in this defense for what he'd be asked to do, which is be dropped back into coverage more than than moving upfield. I mean, lateral sideline to sideline, he's going to make plays on the outside, but dropping back into coverage, we'll we'll see. Yeah, I just don't have any faith in them, and there, and there's no there's no depth behind that. Um, and it's the same problem they ran into last year, where they had um, Brooks and Barton and nothing behind them. And yeah. it it bit I, I, them hard. All and I don't understand. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I do not understand that. I do not understand how the team could make the same mistake two years in a row on two different position groups. 
that if if I've got a gripe, that would be it. I mean, Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, Devin Bush, that doesn't inspire confidence in anybody considering Brooks's injury. Now, if Brooks wasn't injured and they had Bobby Wagner and Brooks, I'd feel pretty good about that spot. Yeah, and Bush is your your primary backup that will play a bunch of special teams and come on the field occasionally. Yeah, it's not from, not too from, bad. From what I've got, from what I understand, Vi Jones came into camp ready to go, like ready to compete. And I like Vi Jones in a couple different spots last year as far as being a guy that flashed. Um, early in training camp and so forth. So I'm interested to see where yeah. Vi Jones is at. I'm hearing. And John Radigan flashed a little like, bit the year before. Yeah, and they really like John Radigan. And Tanner Muse flashed some last year and actually got a considerable playing time um, after the Brooks injury. Yeah. On and a bad now, defense. I mean, listen, let's be honest. Yeah. We were ranked 27th in the NFL in overall defense last year. Yeah, and that's about right for the where they should have been ranked. Right. Uh, it just, it wasn't, like there were, there were some major issues, and there there are some major issues now. I don't. Clint Hurt think, seems to feel like he's absolutely hundred percent confident this defense can be better this year. They can be better this year. They've upgraded it at um, at three and five tech and cornerback. Um, and I would argue safety. I think that that Julian Love is a better player overall than than what they've had last year than ryan neal yeah i don't know yeah, you go neal. look at julian love dude i'm telling you you got to go watch the tape you're gonna fall in love with that player he's he's really good he's the real deal i would feel a lot more confident <laughs> if ryan ryan neal was on the roster and not jamal adams I um you. i hear you yeah hopefully jamal adams come back and play full six you know 17 game season yeah, let's the restore first, the faith. Yeah, let's, for the let's fir- find for out. The fir- for the first time in his career. Yeah. And hopefully those those injuries are just unrelated. I think that he's the type of player, though, that gets injured because of the way he plays. And he's, you know, his body is just not equipped for the physicality of the NFL. But mm-hmm. I could be proven wrong. Hopefully I am. Um, by Jones and, and Radigan, though, at that, at that spot. Okay, so let's get back to the defensive tackles. So we've got two guys, Brian Monet, Cameron Young, and then a whole bunch of nothing. Really? I mean, let's be honest. These guys, the, the whole lot of nothing. I don't mean to disrespect those players. They haven't proven anything. A lot of undrafted guys. One guy, Forrest Merrill, who's never made it out of a practice squad candidate. So, um, and then, you know, Cameron Young hasn't proven anything yet. Um, mm-hmm. He looks great on paper. That's it. Brian Monet is hurt. So, that spot, ooh, that spot is just not and pre- good. And pre-injury, he was the third guy at the position before he's yeah. the third man on the depth chart behind uh puna and um and woods these guys are not coming into september 1st with this roster the way it is currently right now this, I there will be another name on this i this would spot. agree with that unless someone just comes in and blows them away but think about like last year the guy that came in and, and blew them away was josh jones and then what happened when the regular season started he wow. went back to being the player he was before coming into Seattle's camp. And um yeah, and it was a problem. Team. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. All right. So first of many conversations about position groups on the defense. I like the conversation. I think it gets better from here. I think this next group that we're going to talk about on the defensive end side of the equation is a really nice group. I like. Um it, it gets even better at linebacker, off the ball linebacker and uh edge rushers. Um, lot to like in those in those two groups and those will be the next two shows that we have um, you can find Keith 
on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at NWC Hawk. The show is Seahawks Playbook Podcast, favorite podcast platform. You pick one, it's going to be there. And then our YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. And um, we'll see you every show we've got, usually two to three every week, even in the off season. Um, so 52 weeks a year. So until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.